0: Portland is a baseball town. Our secretary didn't have anybody on the phone. (laughs) There was nobody on the phone. They were just egging me along. So they brought a little short, chubby guy in with the name Peters and put him (laughs) in my place. He sent me the double A ball. Two fans, one mission to bring Major League Baseball to Oregon, fueled by Guardian
1: games and athletic field design. This is the Diamonds and Roses podcast. Without further ado,
0: your host Ben and Dave. Welcome once again, everybody, to another episode of the Diamonds and Roses podcast. As always, I am your host, Ben, and I'd like to take a second to thank our sponsor, Big League Chew, the Hall of Fame Bubblegum. If you haven't gone out and gotten some, go get yourself some Big League Chew. My favorite's the grape, and uh, I really enjoy it, and you should go grab some, too. So we are back week two with travis chalk ceo and founder of baseballism so travis welcome back once again
1: yep, thanks for having me again appreciate it
0: i had a blast last week uh, recording with you uh, about your previous episode getting to know you a little bit more so uh, man, it's, it's really pretty cool to get to know you a little bit better um, so we're gonna we're gonna jump in. This this episode okay. is gonna be uh, focus oriented on baseballism. Its founding and you know moving forward to where yep. you're at yep. now. Uh, so let's talk about its earliest uh, inception. And it sounds like, from me looking at all this, is that you mentioned like one of the reasons for starting baseballism was that you felt. Oregon's baseball community was seriously lacking. What what did you mean by this? Was it seriously lacking, like involvement, or what was it at the time? Yeah,
1: so I mean, uh, I, when I, while I was in college, I think it was my uh, the summer of my junior year, I started doing a uh, work for the South Eugene High School. So I was I was their JV coach. Uh, I think right after my senior year, but I started working for them earlier. Um, and basically, they were horrible. And when it comes down to it, like. The great high school teams have great youth programs surrounding them. I think that that's pretty much true for anyone in the country. If you have a great feeder program going into your high school, you're going to be a better high school. Mm -hmm. And Eugene, or at least South Eugene, didn't have that. And a big part of it was not having a college team at the University of Oregon or a D1 program. Because I I remember when I was a kid in Hawaii, I would go to the University of Hawaii baseball camp, and they would have that every year. And that was something I looked forward to every year, and you would learn from players that have made it at a very high level at D1 Baseball and from coaches that coach D1 Baseball. And so that was lacking in Eugene. And you could tell at the high school level that there wasn't a strong youth uh, feeder program because the high school kids were, weren't were that great. Mm-hmm.
0: Um,
1: good athletically, but fundamentally not not, not great. And so um, in order to build a good program, you got to start from the bottom. And so uh, I had bought the domain baseballism.com without even knowing what I was going to do with it earlier. Um, I remember buying that domain. I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do with this. But I think someone told me, you only got to be smart for one second in your life. And that was my one second of being smart, is buying Baseballism.com. And so I, I'd, I'd started doing, like, private lessons under that domain. And then uh, when, it came, when it came time to make a change in Eugene and start a baseball camp, uh, got got my friends together, called the camp Baseballism. That's how it started.
0: Mm-hmm. I read that you purchased the camp from Robert uh Sp- sposato uh to put baseball back in the vocabulary of people in eugene can you please explain about that yeah
1: so um basically we wanted to be just what i talked about we wanted to be the uh the camp for kids who played baseball during the summers um that taught baseball we wanted to take the place of what the university of oregon didn't have in a d1 baseball team to to give back to the the community baseball wise we wanted to be that and so um And we were playing for the University of Oregon club team, which was the only show in town at that point. Mm -hmm. And so we wanted, as a program, we also wanted to give back to the community by, you know, having camps for the kids. And so um, I looked on Craigslist one day. I saw a baseball camp for sale that had, like, a list of emails. And so you could get get kids in the door, which is the hardest part um, from from the start. And so uh, I talked to Rob, great dude, um, got his camp, which was originally called Safe at Home. We rebranded it Baseballism and then went from there, started our own camp.
0: How did you come up with the name Baseballism? Like, it clearly just didn't pop in your head one second, or did it? Well, I mean,
1: I was looking for... Like I said, I was giving private lessons, and I was looking for a domain to kind of run my private lesson company under. And, um, like, I, I was... In, in uh, last week's podcast, I said baseball's kind of where I'm from. And so... You you watch Bull Durham. Um, Susan Sarandon talks about the Church of Baseball. Mm-hmm. Baseball is, is more than just a game it's a lifestyle for me and so baseballism kind of ties into that it's kind of like the belief that baseball is going to make you a better person and it's kind of like it's more than just a game so mm-hmm. um and it's something i've heard before no baseballism isn't like the first i didn't say it wasn't the first person to say baseballism. so it's good to have like a word that people know and they know what it's about and so i bought that domain because it was i couldn't believe it was still available because domains are impossible to find now
0: so yeah um i you said that baseball in the camp was organized to teach little leaguers the fundamentals of the game. What do you believe are the fundamentals of the game?
1: Well, I mean, obviously uh, you can get real deep. It's like baseball is a minute to learn, lifetime to master. I think if you break every player down, even at the highest level, there, there are certain things that are, that are always the same, whether it be balance or you know, uh, how you position your glove when you're fielding a ground ball, you know, catching with two hands, um, how to throw. And so we just wanted to make sure that everyone had a good base to start with uh, when they were when they were younger, so that they could build on that base to you know potentially go play a college ball or a pro ball, mm-hmm. or or even just in high school, high school or be a successful high school varsity player. And so we wanted to give them that base when it just came to you know, like stepping and throwing, you know, fielding fielding the ball with two hands, like knowing where to go whenever when when the ball's hit somewhere. Um, just those little things that. Uh, people take for granted when they watch major league baseball, but all those players are are the best at what they do because
0: they have that solid foundation.
1: And so we wanted to teach them that foundation.
0: What was that first camp experience like for you, uh, knowing that, Hey, this is now a baseballism camp. We're here and it's time to pony up and show what we got to teach these kids. What was that first experience like for you?
1: I mean, it was fun. It was a lot of pressure because, you know, you're starting something on your own. Um, I'm not from Hawaii, so I didn't have a lot, of, a lot of like family or anything to help me with that. So I just had my teammates. Um, what was good was I had an education background, so I switched my major to education in college, and so I had, you know, done practicums where I worked with kids. Um, learned how to run a classroom. And so I took that education background, I translated to the camp along with my baseball knowledge, and was able to run a pretty darn good camp our first year in business. It was super fun, Um, loved being out there. We made it different. I'm a real creative guy, so we made it different. We announced on Bullhorns every player. We had music in between our our innings during games when we scrimmaged um, that kids would dance to. I mean, it was was a good experience, and the kids had a lot of fun. We had a lot of return kids.
0: I know Jonathan was saying that you'd announce uh, the, the players to so the, the Lawrence and what does he say? Uh, something double bill. Oh,
1: double bill. Ibanez was yeah. one of our favorites. Yeah. We had a <laughs> lot, we had a lot of those nicknames that were great. Uh, we had like uncle Ben, we had a kid named Ichiro cause he always had an Ichiro Jersey. Um, a lot of good stuff.
0: Mm-hmm. Did you see, feel like a lot of the kids like wanted to come back year in, year out to this program?
1: Oh yeah. We'd have kids that signed up for the entire summer. Oh, really? Yeah, because we only did, we'd, we'd do camps in week long increments and we did, it was a day camp. So we'd start at like 8 a.m. and we'd end at like 2 p.m. And so after the first camp, we had like five or six kids sign up for the for the remainder of the summer. And so we'd have a lot of the same kids the entire summer, even though we were running week long camps.
0: Mm-hmm. And then, so you're, you're doing these camps, you're going to school, uh, you're, you're trying to play ball. Yep. What was what was your hectic day like at this point in time?
1: So we taught these camps during the summer, so it wasn't too bad. So our season was over by then. Um, mm-hmm. So it was we were just doing the camps in like late June, through, through maybe the first week of August, and so it wasn't really that hectic. I mean, um, it was hectic because I had, a, I, I had another part time job like lifting furniture and stuff in the mornings, like from like 5 a.m. to like 6 a, to like 7 a.m. Um, so that was that was hectic. But I mean, doing the camps was wasn't that bad because it was baseball and it was with my friends. And so Mm -hmm. we didn't have a boss telling us how how to do things. We just did it ourselves. And it was a lot of fun.
0: At what point from when you started the actual, uh, baseball, uh, summer development, did you then begin to start thinking, maybe I could turn this into something a little bit bigger than what it is.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, when we were running the camp, we made our own t-shirts, um, because we had experience in making team shirts and stuff on our own because of club baseball. Um, and so we, we had a screen printer lined up, and so I designed a, the, the word baseballism with a baseball bat for an eye at the end. And so that was our original camp T-shirt, and we got good feedback from that. Um, it, initially, during the camp, we didn't think we were going to become more than a more than just a, a cool camp T-shirt. But after we shut down the camp and had to get a real-life jobs, we would wear them around town, and people would be like, where'd you get that shirt, where'd you get that shirt? And I'd talk to Jonathan, uh, the other Jonathan and Kaylin, and I'd be like, are you getting? Are you guys getting this comment too? And they're like, yeah, we are. I'm like, I think we need to do something about this. And mm-hmm. so that's kind of how it all started.
0: I was reading an article online right around the time that Baseballism was getting up and running, and it read, baseball, baseball life wants to support baseball Lifer wants to support his operation of youth camps by opening a clothing line selling high-class baseball apparel. For $150, backers receive the full lineup of apparel including a limited edition hoodie, flat bill cap, and two shirts of their choice. You know, you are getting this up and going. What was what was that like? Did, what was the outreach to you?
1: I mean, yeah, that was that was way back. This is, so this was actually a Kickstarter campaign. And so previous mm-hmm. to that, I was uh, so I had a bunch of jobs at that point. So I was working for E Force. I was coaching high school ball. Um, I was working for PCC. So I had three jobs at the time while I was while I was doing this. And so um, I had I had uh, and I was actually doing private lessons too. So one thing I learned from working at a baseball facility doing private lessons is that you only can teach kids when they're not in school, baseball. Mm-hmm. And so you have this whole facility and. Really, you only can make money from 3.30 when kids get out of school till 8.30 at night for however long their parents are willing to let them stay out. And so you have this huge 3,000 square foot facility, but you got nothing to do with it during the day. So I'm like, what can we do to make money during the day? And so... I remembered people talking about our shirts and liking them while I was going. I was like, hey guys, I'm gonna try to make a run of shirts here and we'll see what happens. So we, I made a run of 48 shirts and they sold it in two weeks at the facility. I'm like, I think we got something here. Mm-hmm. And so I took out, I, I got found a no, uh, no interest credit card for a year, uh, took out 3,500 bucks of what I didn't have. I, I probably had like 1,500 bucks in my savings at the time, took out 3,500 bucks on this credit card, paid for an agency to do a video for us for Kickstarter. Uh, made our original our first line of shirts that we sold at the the facility and and we got this thing going I was like guys who's on board and so the three guys that were on board were the three guys that helped me run the camp back in back in college Uh, Jonathan Joey John Lewis and and Kalen and so that's that's kind of how it all started
0: Mm -hmm. and you started working out of a garage what was that experience
1: oh man it was it was like, it was hard fun. You know, it's like, it was, it's like, you know, when you go out and camping and it starts raining and it's like, but it's, you remember those times because it's, it was tough, but it was, you're, that's, you, you laugh about it now. It yeah. was, it's one of those situations. It's like, man, we were like, me, I'm like taking picture of my friend modeling in front of like a a cheap wood background and like I'm taking off my shirt and modeling and then we're just trying not to laugh at each other. We have no idea what we're doing and like this garage is just stuffed full of stuff of of shirts and stuff like that. We were ironing every shirt before we sent Mm -hmm. it out. So it was just... It, it was a comedy routine if we if we saw it being done now, but it's what we had to do back then. So it was yeah. a lot of work, but it was a lot of fun.
0: Speaking of ironing, Jonathan was saying in his episode that you guys uh, you ironed every single shirt before it went out. And I asked him, I was like, so who taught you how to iron? And he was like, my mom. So I'm going to ask the same question to you. Who taught you how to iron?
1: probably jonathan's mom too because i learned from jonathan i didn't i didn't know how to iron anything i'm from hawaii i didn't own i didn't own a pair of jeans till i moved to oregon i was just shorts and t-shirt every single day so no no ironing here i still don't know if i know how to iron
0: you said that uh, um jonathan also said that you guys got in trouble because of all the the pallet box the pallets that were outside the garage yeah so yeah
1: so we were getting like we were at the garage long enough to where we we're getting big enough where um we had like semis pulling up and dropping off pallets of boxes and shirts, and I didn't know what to do with them, so I just sat them outside of my house. And like the HOA was getting really angry, and so I was like, "Guys, I think we got to get out of here. This is a uh, this is getting this is affecting my personal life here." <laughs>
0: that's that's hilarious that you would have these pallets just sitting outside your garage yeah, the,
1: yeah. and it wasn't like I had a yard or anything I would literally like put it outside of my front door and so' <laughs> we were like this is not looking the making the neighborhood look very nice travis so you, you got to get this out of here
0: so you're starting to open after this you start you open Cooperstown correct is that, yep. that's the first store? yep what, what was it like what did it mean to you to open up that first home storefront Man, that
1: that move right there was probably unintentionally the smartest move we ever made. Um so I had coached like I said we we, uh, we coach I coached for Lincoln and I coached a summer team that was made up of a 12 u team that that went to play in a cooperstown tournament and that's when I learned about all the tournaments that go on go on in Cooperstown because you you know about the Hall of Fame everyone knows about the Hall of Fame in mm-hmm. cooperstown, but you don't hear about unless you're deep in the the travel baseball youth baseball world that all these tournaments go on in cooperstown so you have uh there's three big tournaments and they each have One has 100 teams, the other one has, like, 72, the other one has 48. So you have all these teams coming to Cooperstown every single week, um, coming to play in these tournaments. And I learned about that, and I went shopping in Cooperstown with my team. And I I wanted to take something from Cooperstown that I would wear and I could take from the rest of my life to say that I checked that off my bucket list. Mm -hmm. And there was nothing there. It was just, you know, cheap Hanes tees, $5, $10 in, like, word font on your on your shirt and it was just it was brutal and i didn't buy anything and i was like when we started this thing i was like and we were thinking about where do we open our first store i was like cooperstown man mm-hmm. there's nothing there we'd shine like a star all the people that love baseball go there and not just the people that like the hall of fame like the people that play like this is our customer and so we opened that store in cooperstown new york across the country hired uh, ben atkinson our first employee number one to run it and um what we didn't realize is how many people we'd be touching by doing this, and how yeah. fast we'd grow our brand. Because you get all these teams that are not from Cooperstown visiting and, and seeing our store, and following us on social media because they see our store. And so, by being in Cooperstown, New York, we're basically in every country, every state in the country because of it. Because all these teams come from different places to play in Cooperstown.
0: Well, not just that. I mean, other countries too. Exactly. How I played.
1: We like. I played a team from Jamaica when I was in Cooperstown and coaching that team. So like, they're they're everywhere. Mm-hmm. And so. And not only that, I mean, Cooperstown is known for Double Day Field, which is you know, historically like the first baseball field in the United States, and so um, people believe that we're f- we're from New York, which is- which is our first store, and so it's like we're kind of from where baseball's from.
0: Yeah, and how was that first night like getting ready you guys must have been working late to prepare um the storefront for that oh yeah so
1: back then we didn't have really a a huge budget to work with so we were doing a lot of the build outs on our own and so me and me and the other guys you know we're we're mopping floors we're hanging shirts we're we're nailing boards to walls we're taking stuff out of boxes you know we're kind of just scrapping stuff together and um doing it all ourselves buffering the floors and so it was it's a lot of work and then we just sat down and after we were like 75% complete we looked at the store and we're like wow this is happening we're opening a store in Cooperstown, New York two blocks from the Hall of Fame and so yeah. that was like one of the the fond memories I'll look back to when we from starting this thing
0: mm-hmm. and then from there it's just you know, it's now history and you're moving on yep. to all these different locations uh, from Chicago to Boston to Irvine, which is the newest location, to um, also in Texas and, you know, various other places across the country. Uh, so you're definitely expanding yep. Uh, yep. on that front. Um, I, I did read that When you got started, you had uh, one of the Oakland Oakland Athletics, Eric Sogard, uh, agree to promote baseballism by wearing your apparel at spring training the year you opened. Like, what was that? How did that feel?
1: It felt really good. I mean, we we had known Eric through a mutual friend. Um, one of the guys we played baseball with at University of Oregon, uh, his wife was his what Eric's wife was his classmate in high school and a good friend, and so he linked us up with Eric and Eric wore our stuff. He loved it, um, but it's just really validating seeing pro guys wear our stuff, and especially mm-hmm. we don't we don't pay any of our pro guys to wear our stuff. Yeah. We've got Justin Turner wearing it, we got Jackie Bradley wearing it. We're we're not paying anybody to wear it, and we had Wade Boggs wear it, Tom Glove <laughs> And so we have these Hall of Fame guys wearing our stuff, and it's just like it just tells us we're doing we're doing it the right way. Yeah. Um, especially when the older guys wear it, because you know they have the they really they really care about the game, and they understand it at a higher level.
0: And so that's really validating for us being being so young and, and doing this. Well, I've spoken to you know Jonathan and Kalen about you know more about baseballism in, in going forward, but I want to really take a deep dive into uh, one aspect of baseballism is the homegrown collection. I'd yep. like to talk to you a little yep. bit about that. Tell us about how the collection got started.
1: Well, it got, it got started because while we're opening opening all these locations, we realized that um, people love baseball and they'll they'll buy our, our core lineup, the stuff we sell online. But it's also it's also special to have something that's only in your city, mm-hmm. and so and we wanted to make it city specific. So we're like, how do we make each store feel special? And part of it is making this homegrown collection where people can go to our stores and there'll be something there that you can't find online that's specific to their city. Mm -hmm. And so it really like gives a reason for people to just say, uh, to not say, Oh, I'm just, I'll just go online and buy it. It gives them a reason to go to that store. Just kind of how you go to a baseball game and you want to see Wrigley field because it's a different field. It's not, not every baseball field is the same. If every baseball field was the same, it might not have the same kind of draw as it would if like the green monster wasn't in Fenway park or Mm -hmm. the Ivy wasn't in Wrigley. Um, we wanted our we wanted our stores to be like that, where every store you go to is like a different baseball stadium. Yeah, it's a different experience, but we're playing the same game.
0: And that's that's amazing. That's what I like about it because I, I know you have the Ivy the Ivy hat for yep. Chicago. Yep. Um, you know, and then you had the peach for Georgia. Yep, yep. Uh, so I, <laughs> it's really interesting to see some of those hats and mm-hmm. just the different designs. And I know, like, the Georgia peach, it's, like, it's got the peach, but on in the inside, it's got the baseball for the, yep, the actual yep, like, yep. nut of the, the yep. thing. Um, so what, what does this, what does it, I know you talked about it, like, for each individual location, but what does it mean to you to have, like, this homegrown uh, apparel, Through baseballism, and I just kind of curious if it materialized any of you from you being away from home from Hawaii. Um,
1: I mean, for us, it gives us to, it allows us to be a part of the baseball community in each location. Uh, We want, we don't want to feel like, you know, we're just a franchise opening in, in this location and we're going to sell the same stuff. We want, we want to be a part of that baseball community. We want to understand their culture and how they do things. I mean, like baseball players from Puerto Rico act a different way than baseball players from, from Hawaii and Hawaii from California. Everyone has a different attitude and a different thing to be proud of. So we wanted uh, to embed ourselves in that baseball culture and, and, and really kind of not just be a store that's, you know, from Portland or New York that came to your city, we want we want baseball in arizona to feel like baseball in arizona and yeah. so um that, that's where it came from and for me personally to to have it in to coming from hawaii um so we have something called the uh the uh, baseball and farm ball and it allows us to make apparel for for different cities that don't have baseball teams, and so that was kind of an outlet for me. Is like, you know, I'm a Hawaii guy. I want, I want a Hawaii baseballs and hat. And so we were able to to make the Hawaii Elite cap, which is a yeah, baseballs yes. and ball team. Yeah. I was just getting yeah. ready to ask you yeah. about that because yeah.
0: that's one cap that just was yeah. gone, yeah, like that. Yeah. And it was really, really nice. It was the the white front, I believe, with the green backing yeah. and the yeah. orange brim. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On it, it was a really, really nice hat. I I was looking into, uh, I was like actually looking into the, the, uh, how do you say, how do you pronounce it? Al-Ali? ali
1: ali Ali So it means a chief or royalty in Hawaii.
0: Yeah. I was looking into, it's the hereditary line of rulers. And I was like trying to, trying to be smart when I was talking about this to you because I didn't want to sound like an idiot. But, uh. You know to me is I was reading it was like eleven classes uh, and they included both men and women and it involved like priests and yeah uh, experts that's getting deep man kids. that's
1: really deep like uh that's the stuff I, I I learned when I was like in third and fourth grade in Hawaii <laughs> I don't remember a lot of it oh yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. I,
0: just, I just wanted to jump into it and because I wanted, wanted to see kind of what you know the the meaning behind behind it and what it meant to Hawaii and so well
1: yeah I mean baseball I mean <laughs> People in Hawaii are prideful where they're from. Yeah, you know, what I mean, like more than more than probably any state in the country. Like, if you if you're from Hawaii, you're, you're, like, you're like, I'm from Hawaii. I'm proud of being from Hawaii, and it's kind of a unique thing because there's not a lot of people from Hawaii that you walk around, especially on the mainland. You don't walk around and meet a person from Hawaii every day. Maybe mm-hmm. on the West Coast more than the East Coast, but like it's it's kind of a rare thing. So, and we're kind of the underdog. I feel like Hawaii's kind of the underdog when it comes to like sports and all that kind of stuff. So it's like people from Hawaii are really prideful in that, and I just wanted to. Do something baseballism for Hawaii because I'm really proud from being being from Hawaii and like doing what I do now and being from Hawaii. It's a big deal in Hawaii. Yeah. Because not everybody makes it out of there, you know. So it's a it's a big deal and and I just wanted to show pride for the Hawaii baseball culture. Yeah. Um, on hat.
0: Let's talk about some other designs and one of the ones that I want to get into. Not speaking design specifically, but I want to ask you, what's one design that's meant the most to you since starting baseballism? Man,
1: like six four three two is our best-selling shirt, and that's that's one of them I would say. But I would say the one that means the most to me is live life like a three one count, mm-hmm. because that's just kind of my mentality. Like, don't be afraid to swing, look for your pitch, and like, you know, and just be aggressive, be an aggressive hitter um, in life and baseball. And so like, it's kind of like my, almost like my life motto now, and it's on a shirt, and it was one of the first quotes that I put on Twitter that kind of blew up. So um, yeah, that one's that one means the most to me. Live life like a three one count.
0: So you've done some other things uh, other than making apparel uh, with baseballism. Uh, I want to take a quick second uh, to let our listeners listen to your Within a Game.
1: Within a game, a bond is made. He teaches his boy a game he played. Two gloves, one ball, a day at the park, and the two play catch until it gets dark. And his boy does better than he thought he would, so the two played catch as long as they could. The boy and his friends, they play in the streets, tennis shoes and cans, no bases, no cleats. They hit home runs and they turn double plays, one great catch, and he's Willie Mays. But the sun starts to set in the old neighborhood, and they played in the streets as long as they could. The boy goes to school and plays for his team. He develops his craft and follows his dream. He has moments of glory, and he has moments of shame. But they shape his life, and they make his name. But he begins to get old, and it's understood. The boy played the game as long as he could. The boy, now a man, he has a son of his own, and he teaches his son a game he was shown. His son's first game, he sits in the stands. He yells out instruction! But it's not in his hands. And being late for the meeting was not in the plans. But a cheer for his son as long as he can. This is America's brand. This is baseballism.
0: So this within a game yep. is really really cool. I really enjoyed listening to it as you can hear. Um, what how did this come about? Like what made you think about doing this? So
1: when we started this thing, I mean, we we grew on social media. We kind of grew differently than most other games. We grew from the outside in like we were selling more stuff to New York and and uh Georgia and and Atlanta and and you know Texas more than we were in our home base in Portland. It's all cuz of social media. And so I just asked myself, what am I good at that I can I can incorporate into this baseballism thing that I can get more followers, get get more likes, get more shares. And so, um, in high school and, and in elementary school, I was always good at poetry. Hmm. And so, how do I express what this brand means to me um, in, through poetry? And so, uh, I wrote I wrote within a game, and we we made a video and we posted it on social, and it just kind of blew up. And it's really just the story of how the life cycle of baseball how the game is taught from a parent to a yeah. kid the kid loves the game it makes the kid who he is or who she is and then um, the cycle continues that kid grows up, becomes a parent, passes a love for game down to their kid and that's that's for me that is that is that is baseball yeah. it's just a fam- it's a family culture and then the way the, the cycle of baseball is just how it is it's, and so that meant a lot to me
0: this, this brought a lot of back a lot of memories for me. As a youth, um, I, I I don't know if you but I grew up in Vermont and yeah. so I lived in, in in the woods and I yeah. had a couple friends and we would play baseball. But I like the part where you say uh, the boy and his friends play in the streets, tennis shoes and cans, no bases, no cleats. They hit home runs, they turn double plays, one great critch, catch, and he's Willie Mays. I remember like playing ball with my brother. We'd play on the lawn and. We'd use our hats yep, or something yep. or baseball gloves for the bases. And we'd have our friends and we'd use I mean, we just use a tennis ball yep, and, yep. and an aluminum bat. And, you know, we hit the ball and you just like hitting home runs. And you're like, oh, you know, dropping the back and just mm-hmm. walking around. So it reminds me and it brings up um, a lot of great – great great memories um of playing as a kid so i really really liked what you put together here i got some other fun memories that this yeah, brings up yeah yeah some of which like uh one is, is that i remember my brother threw the ball and i lined it right back at him oh yeah and it hit him right, right in the yeah. private area and knocked yeah. him and over. we all have those
1: stories i mean i used to play in the parking lot with my cousins and my my friends and we used to play with a ping pong ball and one of those mini souvenir bats, and we made, oh, really? yeah we made rules of like if it hits this part of the wall then it's a double or a triple, or you know if you hit it here then it's it's whatever. And so ghost runners and everything. So that that was my childhood too.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it was it was phenomenal. Now you've done some other stuff. You've actually written a few books. Yeah, um, for uh, baseballism. You know, was that just your education background that got you thinking? Let's let's write a couple books. Well,
1: I mean, I, I, I've been writing these poet uh, these poems, and uh, a lot of them are longer than than they, they need to be for social media, uh, but they do really well when I split them up into different slides for Instagram or whatever it is. And it just kind of was just like a, I'm getting we're getting this much traffic for for these posts on social. Um, it's pretty much a book anyway. Let's just mm-hmm. illustrate it and call it a book because people are liking it and people are asking for it. So like we'd, we'd post, the first book w- that we wrote was uh, The Baseball Game Before Christmas, which is a baseball version of The Night Before Christmas. And we'd write it and we'd email it out and people were like, when are you gonna release a book? When are you gonna release a book? Because it just naturally looked like a book the way we put it up there because it's like mm-hmm. 11 pages. And so um, it just kind of naturally transitioned and so when we were to the point where we were large enough and we had a big enough audience, we were like, okay, let's let's try to make this a book. and we released it and we've sold like 8,000 copies of the first book we've sold so it's, it's crazy
0: wow so Chris our friend of the podcast yep. says, again he has another question for yep. you and this is more getting back into to as themselves he says I've met a lot of people in the company from founders to store managers to retail associates they're all amazing people not just in their work but as genuine human beings Baseballism attracts tons of people who want to work for this company, but how are you guys so spot on in your hiring process?
1: I mean, we're not always spot on, but we're we're pretty good, and I think it, it starts from the top. You know, our our four co-founders. I mean, we are, we're we're just normal dudes, man. I mean, we're not we're not trying to be. You know, we're pretty humble. Um, we care about who's working for us. Um, and I think our the culture that we produce for our employees is, is just great because I mean we, we care about who works for us and and um, we let them kind of do their thing we're not too hands-on um, if someone gets hired here we hired them for a reason and so we we trust them they trust us um, we got their back I mean and, and, it's, and it comes from like a coaching background too it's like you want to you want a coach where you're willing to run through a wall for them and we try to we try to produce that that culture for our, our business, too. Is like we're going to have our, our, our employees back, you know, when it comes down to it. Mm-hmm. And so um, – and they'll have our back. So it's just – it's kind of just common sense to me. Just treat people good. They'll treat you good.
0: So where does baseballism go from here? Again, you just opened Irvine. You opened up a new pop-up store in downtown Portland. Yeah. Where are you guys going from here?
1: So next year we have two stores penciled in, and this is kind of a a big release. We have—I don't think we've said this publicly—but we just penciled a deal to build a barn store behind the backstop of the Field of Dreams. Oh no way! Yeah, and that should be there uh, by April of 2020, and so that's going to be a big one because it's going to have—it's got that Cooperstown crowd. I mean, we went there and we visited uh, Mm -hmm. to negotiate, and uh, we went there and there's two people on the field just wearing our shirts. And so really we're just, this is where we need to be. This is where, if I'm a baseball person and I have a bucket list and there's you know, 10 things on that bucket list, Field gotta of Dreams dream is going to yeah. so be there. And so we got to be there. And so that's that's really exciting because I got to go on that field. I got to play. And like, if you've never been to the Field of Dreams, like, I know it's out of the way and there's nothing there, and that's true. But you go there and you just turn into a little kid. Like, We went there, and it's the craziest thing because you fly into, you drive into this little mm-hmm. town, and there's no advertising of where the Field of Dreams is or anything. You're driving through cornfields. And then all of a sudden, you pull up to this farm, and it's literally just a farm that just says Field of Dreams on a small sign. And you go there, and you park your car. It doesn't cost anything to park there. And you walk, and it's just a baseball field. But yeah, there's you know dozens of people there playing baseball. We were there at 11 a.m. on a Tuesday, and there were dozens of people playing baseball on that field. And... It's like a big pickup game. Like, all of a sudden, I'm throwing BP to a 12-year-old. His dad's throwing BP to me. I'm trying to hit balls into the corn. I mean, it is just a blast. <laughs> and so, like, everyone there doesn't know each other, but they're all on the same page. Yeah. So it's great.
0: Did it bring you back to Kevin Costner and oh man. dad won't play catch? If I have
1: a kid, I'm taking him to the field of dreams and playing catch mm-hmm. with him. You got to. You got to. So it's- is this
0: going to be in time for the the baseball game that's going to be there?
1: Yep, it'll be there. It'll be there. I'm not sure if, we'll, if Major League is going to allow us to keep open, but it'll be there.
0: Okay, that'll definitely be one store I need to visit. Yeah, it is.
1: I mean, it is w- it is worth it, and I think coupling our brand with Field of Dreams aligns perfectly. I mean, mm-hmm. people that love love our brand love Field of Dreams, and we use Field of Dreams quotes a lot in, in our posts, so it's it just made sense.
0: So, what do you got coming up for uh, Christmas, brand? Because I know last year you had the uh, you had Rudolph. Yeah. What are you bringing this year?
1: So this year we got a gingerbread hat. That's gonna smell like gingerbread. Oh no way! Yeah, so it's got a gingerbread man on the hat who has a baseball bat behind his back. Um, it's got like a gumdrop underbill and um, we're gonna put some uh, some gingerbread spray on there so that it's like a scratch and sniff snicker. <laughs> that's just <laughs> gonna, as you're yeah. gonna like scratch it. Yeah, it's gonna smell like gingerbread, so that's gonna be exciting.
0: Well, that'll be really cool. Um, I'm looking looking forward to it, uh, and, and looking forward to many more products that you you have coming out. Um, so. I know that our listeners probably know where to go, but I'd like to give you the last minute or so to just kind of tell them where to go to find products or where they can go find a store.
1: Okay. So we're in a lot of stores now. Uh, It's going to be tough to reel off. I think Jonathan did a lot better job than I'm going to do on this, but uh, you can go to baseballism.com obviously. And uh, we have a list there of where all all our stores are. Um, We're in Scottsdale. We're in Irvine, Atlanta, Chicago, Boston, um, we are in Portland, obviously. That's where we're headquartered at. Uh, we'll be at the Field of Dreams next year. We'll be at St. Louis. Um, I think I haven't said Chicago yet. And Texas. That's, mm-hmm. I got them all right there. That's where we're at. There uh, you go. Dallas, Texas.
0: And then you're at Omaha when Omaha's there. When Omaha's
1: there, we're at most big baseball, baseball events.
0: Excellent. Well... Travis, it was great spending these uh, two weeks with you and recording and getting to know you better, but getting to know baseballism and taking more of a deep dive into it, even though we've talked to a couple of the other guys. Yep. It's just been great to learn uh, more about yourself. So I thank appreciate
1: you. it, Ben. Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah, so that'll do it for this episode. Again, go check them out, baseballism.com. Go visit any of the stores. Highly recommend it. Gingerbread hat coming out. Uh, it's gonna smell like gingerbread. That's gonna be awesome. Gonna have to pick me up one of those. And uh, anyways, well, you have yourself a great day wherever you at. Peace out.